evening, goddammit. Welcome to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Why am I out of focus? Why am I why am I not centered properly? My God, welcome! Welcome, everyone, one and all. Tonight, Thursday, it is the 14th of October. I've got stuff flying out of my mouth. I just brushed my teeth. How is that possible? I'm like, look, Warren, you have to go brush your teeth before you go out and start speaking to people like in public kind of thing, right? And and so here I am. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I brush my teeth and I'm like, what, what the hell is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I feel, I feel like I've got shit flying out of my mouth. And I'm not even centered properly. Look, this is better. What a chaotic... Shut up, phone! What are you talking about, phone? What a chaotic evening tonight. <laughs> so, so, we barely started, but welcome. <laughs> hey, Thursday evening, Mr. Warren Hayes is with you here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. You know what that entails wrestling talk for the next uh couple of hours let's be honest <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, 90 minutes an hour no 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 let's be let's just be real i i think at this at this you know this stage of our relationship uh we can we can definitely be honest with each other we're we're going to be here for about 2 hours uh and thank you for joining me here live tonight on youtube.com/mrwarrenhays cuz that's that is what I, uh, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, I appreciate. I appreciate people coming out here every Thursday to join me and uh, and listen to me rant and, and, and have a nice little time in, uh, in the chat room as well as things go on live here. And look, we've got, we've got Robert Larry who's here. Nice to see you, Robert. Kelly, Kelly Tonjes here as well. Nice to see you. Got our boy Ben, Phantomark82, Facebook.com slash Phantomark82. Get yourself some music. Nice to see you, Ben. Uh, we've got AK Germany, who's here. Nice to see you, super guy, super gal, super person. Mr. Fritz as well. Look at all these great people here joining, joining us live. At the YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes address. You know, if you're already here and you're already watching this and you're already like, hey, you know what? As AK Germany pointed out, looks like Warren is in AEW Dynamite withdrawal tonight. Could be. If you're enjoying all of this nonsense so far, consider giving the video a like. And, and that, that kind of stuff really helps out. Or if you're even if you're listening to this on demand, that's great as well. You can also leave a, 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 a nice little like. And, and, or, you know, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, the Mr. Warren Hayes Show is available in audio format as a podcast, wherever good podcasts are distributed. Well, then give us a like, a subscription, a follow, a review. Reviews are cool. Reviews are great. I really I really like the, fa- the, 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 the fact that people occasionally leave reviews and that, you know, Apple's like, oh well, if people like this, you know, then maybe we should, maybe we should continue. Um, so this is all what we're about, right? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm focused. Don't get me wrong. 
my my brain operates in a way where there's like so many things that happen at once. It's like everything sort of wants to come out at the same time, but that's just not like that's not how human communication works. I think the day that we are able to interface with a species of aliens that allows uh, uh, multiple thoughts to be communicated at once, I am going to be the greatest orator they will have ever come upon. <laughs> for sure. That is for absolutely sure. But hey, you know what? Hmm. Thank you all for being here. <laughs> and don't forget also... To follow, uh, give a follow uh, over and, and check out belltobells.com. That's B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. But, uh, not but, because that's your women's wrestling wire. And, you know, we're on the cusp of announcing. What am I doing here? Am I suddenly Italian? What am I doing? We are on the cusp. We are on the verge of announcing something absolutely fantastic some big big stuff entertaining things not not the kind of you know someone is going to make a big announcement you know it's like i've got a big announcement coming up Ooh, i wonder what it could be and then on the day of the day of the announcement hey everyone so my big announcement is uh i have bought a new suit and it's blue my previous suit was black not that kind of announcement. No, really, something fun, fun for you, the viewers, the listeners of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Absolutely. Um, so that, you know, that's cool stuff. Be sure to check it out on Bell to Bells. Follow us on Twitter at belltobells.com as well. That's That's very good. That's also very good. My G1 coverage is ongoing. Uh, of course... The uh, second, or uh, t we had, um, I've, I've been covering every two nights, right? Every two nights of action. So uh, block A, block B, boom, I do, a, I do a live stream. I do some some coverage of the G1 Climax 31. Um, we had block B happen earlier today, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But I'm obviously, since I'm doing the main podcast today, I'm not getting into, uh, I'm not doing specific coverage. I'll be back tomorrow with the rest of my coverage. But if you want to... Follow my coverage, which is all there. Yeah, uh, it's all there in podcast. It's all here on the YouTube channel. I, on the YouTube channel, I have even a playlist set up with just specifically that coverage right there. So if you want to check it out, I go in depth every for every evening, every two nights of action. I'm there, and it's wrapping up the G1. But I'm going to be talking about the G1 in a little bit. So don't forget that don't forget that there's a discord that you can join of course if you enjoy the chat here and you'd be like man i'd like to continue this wonderful chat with the these wonderful wrestling fans here that hang out on the mr warren hayes show well they all hang out in the mr warren hayes discord not all of them but a lot of them do uh youtube not youtube the link is in the description that, 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 that's that's something here and uh and uh and um yeah and uh so uh, don't forget that there's the post stream after for members only members of the mr warren hayes show uh channel here get access to uh to the discord and uh, not <laughs> no everyone has access to the discord but the mr warren hayes show channel members they have access to the post stream that i do Immediately after this one, and tonight we're going to be talking about Crown, not Crown, no, Cr Queen's Crown and the King of the Ring tournaments. 
I'm, I'm looking to get your thoughts on them. I want to get your predictions, but I also want to get your thoughts on it overall. As you probably assume, I have some thoughts of my own. They'll be upcoming for sure. Um, so be sure to be, be be sure to become a member. It's a great way to show some support for the stream, uh, for everything that I do. So uh, pop in and we'll have a good time. I take some Discord calls, chat with a lot of the, the folks in the chat as well. It's a good, good time. You know what else is a good time? Leaving some super chats, which is another good way to show some support for the Mr. Warren Hay Show. And I will read your question or comment live and on the air. And tonight, you know, if you have questions that you'd like to ask me, that th screw the format tonight. I'm in, I'm in that kind of mood. Like, I do have things I want to talk about. But if you guys have questions that you want to ask me, drop them in a super chat and I will gladly answer them as we go along. Uh, we've already got some super chats that have to do with the G131 climax here. But uh, well, let's get to it. I mean, we, you know, there's only one thing keeping us right now from from actually uh, enjoying some G1 Climax talk right now. And uh, it's the fact that we haven't started the weekly wrestling inspection yet. So let's go. Oh man, I would like to, just before we jump in, I was just scouring the chat real quick. I would like to extend my sincerest condolences to Mr. Fretz, regular viewer, long time viewer of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, long, uh, whose uh, father passed away last week. Uh, I'm extremely sorry for your loss, man. I hope, uh, hope you're doing okay. Hope you're hanging in there. Um, yeah, a terrible, terrible thing. Hope you're doing all right, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're here to, to sort of change your, get your mind off of things. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll help you do that. So let's roll Chris and William Davis. Pew, pew. Nice to see. What? I don't know. Pew, pew. Nice to see you. Mm, welcome to the chat. Welcome to the show. All right. Um, The G1. Hey, look, look, listen. The G1 is wrapping up. If you want to believe this. Okay. It is. It. It is coming to a close. The G131 uh, that occurred uh, this year. Um, there's only two nights left. So we are really in the nitty gritty. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've caught up. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up on everything. I took the time to do it. The thing is, is, you know, look, I'm not going to go into detail for every match that happened. If you want that, and why wouldn't you? Um, I'll, I'll be doing, like I said at the start of the show, I'll be doing my 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 complete uh, uh, deep dive of the uh, of the tournament uh, of the of the last two nights of the tournament tomorrow. Uh, so uh, yeah, join me on the stream or listen to it on your own uh, on your own time. Either or, it is fantastic. Um, but yeah, everything is coming to an end, uh, and hopefully. Um, hopefully we are going to get some, some fun resolution, uh, to all of this. Um, and you know, sort of to start to put a pin on the, in, in this tournament, you know, Nick Wolf basically points out two very important elements that happened in this tournament via super chat. Thank you very much, Nick Wolf for the super chat, by the way, it says, good evening, sir. Good evening. 
Zack Sabre is God. Taichi is our Lord. Two guys who had ex very, very strong performances all throughout the G1. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, I'm not, I'm not as big on Taichi as many, many other people are. Um, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of folks who, yeah, it's like, like Nick Wolf, you know, like, he's our, he is our holy emperor, right? Uh, I, yeah, he surprised me much more than, uh, even, you know, this even started last year. Uh, he surprised me. I think he's very good, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think he's as great as a lot of people point make him out to be, but he had a very strong G1. Zack Sabre Jr. had a remarkably good G1. Incredible start right out the gate, uh, decimating just about everyone in, in his path. Um, didn't quite turn out as, uh, well, it, it sort of evened out, started getting some losses. I would have thought he would have really zoomed through everyone once he got through, you know, the likes of, uh, once he, he, once he started, when, once he started, Getting through the likes of uh, of Kota Ibushi and uh, and Shingo and uh, and um, well yeah when once he got through Ibushi and Shingo essentially I was like oh my god okay uh, our boy Zach here and and he defeated Naito let's not forget he's the only guy in the entire uh, A block that defeated Shingo uh, Naito. Before Naito had to be uh, removed, uh, we had to forfeit his spot. Basically, he's had a fantastic tournament. Absolutely. Um. So, but despite that, you know, despite these really strong showings, this G one, you know, has not been the stuff of legends. You know, I had someone um, reach out to me in the Discord after my 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 most recent recap this week and the person was like hey you know you really got me excited you know in regard like i know nothing about japanese wrestling but you really got me excited to to watch this and i'm like cool like really okay like i couldn't ask for you know a nicer compliment quite frankly the when when you do the stuff that i do if i talk about stuff passionately about that you know people will be like oh i should check this out well that that's fantastic right but then at the same time, I'm like, what a weird time to get into New Japan because of, well, for all the, because of all the reasons that I constantly talk about here because of the, uh, uh, because of, you know, COVID that's still very, very rampant in Japan because of the, uh, the restrictions in the buildings. So the buildings are all half empty. Uh, the, the 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 reactionless crowds. Well, they're not reactionless, but at some point, you know, when all you hear is clapping, you know, it sort of drones on you for a while. Um, not exactly the easiest watch. So it's a weird time to get into New Japan, and it's a weird G one to get into because usually I tell people if you want to get into New Japan, this is the best time of year. This, this is the tournament uh, that is a, this tournament is a highlight of New Japan, and. Uh, if you want to understand why people love it so much, why they why they get into the, the you know the work rate and the stories and so on and so forth, this is the time of year to do it. But this G one has been so I don't know fine that it's 
it's it doesn't feel like a G1. Like usually at this point, right? We've got we've got four or five match of the years match of the year candidates that have been lined up. You know, we're we're all sitting here talking about how Tomohiro Ishii carried the friggin' tournament again this year. We're talking about you know uh, uh, the weird decisions made at the top. You know, at the top of the. Uh, uh, of the uh, of the blocks and so on and so forth. I mean, we can talk about weird decisions made at the top of the blocks if you want, but you know, there's a, there's a lot more atmosphere and excitement, and it's not that we didn't have any good matches. And don't get me wrong, all right? Like I think you know Okada versus Tanahashi at the start of the tournament, uh, you know, and their long, long legacy of legendary matches. I thought it was very, very good. I don't think it's like the you know, it 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 it, it, it there's it's not a match that transcends uh, or will be necessarily remembered fondly in in the body of their work, but it it was still an extremely good match to kick off. Shingo and Ishii was fantastic. Uh, Chase Owens and Okada from a couple of nights ago thought was one of the better matches of the show because I was I I was up under my seat popping for some stuff. I was like, oh, they got me. I, I you know. Uh, Kota Ibushi versus Great Okan. Kazuchika Okada versus Tai Chi was very good. Like, it's not as if there wasn't... It's not as if it was boring. It's not as if we were not entertained. But I think this year's G1 was a G1 for New Japan fans and for, like, the maybe the little more hardcore. Because, again, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of the uh, international stars that they have weren't there. The Gaijin stars, a lot of them are overseas. Um, uh, they didn't bring in any, you know, they didn't bring in a John Moxley this year. You know, there's always someone in that tournament that is a complete outsider or close to be an outsider that comes in for the tournament and works it. You know, there's all these things, right, that weren't part of this year's, uh, that weren't part of this year's G1, which was kind of a bummer, you know? But again, we understand, like, again, we're we're all caught in, in, in the same uh, uh, problem with all these restrictions, right? We're all, we're all in the same boat here, so of course it's going to affect our entertainment. Um, so, like, it's, it's not the exciting, it wasn't the exciting experience that it usually is. And I think this is one that's going to be, this is the one that's going to be remembered as the G1 that really ate it because of the COVID restrictions. But I think there's also a counterpoint to be made that this is the G1 that will be remembered for under guys pulling off exceedingly good performances, going above and beyond anything that we had established that we had established as an expectation in regards to these guys like uh like chase owens like tongaloa like uh tamatanga um uh, yoshihashi right guys that are perennial undercarters losers who are you know whose job is to take the pins maybe not as much the gorillas of destiny but the gorillas of destiny uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, as far as they go, you know, they're, they're, they're a tag team, right? So you're not necessarily used to seeing them in individual competition, but yet here they are. 
a lot of these guys who are in this tournament this year, you feel they were there because we didn't have the full breadth of uh, of access to the Will Ospreys and the Jay Whites and um, and maybe others, right? Maybe, maybe a John Moxley or, you know, any other kind of trade that could have occurred. Who knows? Like, this is going to be the big what if, right? So, you know, having... Uh, having a lot of these guys in the tournament at this point was like, oh well, you know, we're we're putting in bodies because we need freaking 20, 20 wrestlers to populate this uh, this tournament. So the thing that was cool about it though is that all four of those guys that I mentioned here, and you, you could talk about Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Beam for 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 a, 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 a little bit. Because I think he had a, 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 out the gate, he was very strong. But I think as the tournament went on, started he started slipping. And that kind of, it kind of bummed me out. Um, But um, not that it bummed me out, but it, it kind of derailed the expectations. Especially when you saw guys like Chase Owens. Chase Owens, the guy who was constantly there to eat the pins, to take the pinfall in the six-man tags, in the tag, in the in the straight-up tag matches. He's always the guy who ends up on his back. And he's having great performances. You have Yujiro over there on the side doing whatever Yujiro's doing. You're like, man, really? Guys who just dove in, saw the opportunity, and started chewing at it. I think this is how we're going to remember. Well, this is, I think this is the the other side of the coin of the G131 Climax. If, if one side is, it wasn't as good because of COVID, the other side was the, the, um, the undercard guys that they had, that they brought in here, just tore it up. They were really, it was really something spectacular. And I really think it's a talking point when we talk about this in a few years from now. Or even next year, but we are at the we are now just one night left for Block A, Block B. Um, let's start talking about Block B, okay? Because Block B is is really simple. It's really really easy. All right, uh, you don't have to you don't have to worry. This one, as far as everything was. That has to do with the finals here, the final night, who's going to win the block. I think it's, it's, well, look, it's pretty clear. Right up until today, there were three guys who were in the running. Three guys who were in double-digit points. You had uh, Evil, who was at 12. Then you had Kazuchika Okada and Jeff Cobb, who are undefeated throughout the tournament. So they both had 14 points going into today. So there was a lot of speculation, right? Like, okay, well, you know, who's going to win what? And if Evil wins... The, the the main thing was, if Evil wins, defeats Jeff Cobb, that brings Evil to 14 points. So then you have four guys who are at 14 points, which could probably then carry into the last night. And you could be like, oh, who's who's going to get the last... Who's going to be the, 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 the winner kind of thing. But that was settled today. It had to be settled today. You couldn't carry it over because... Evil and Jeff Cobb were having a match today. So one of these two dudes was going to lose. Turns out that it was Evil who lost. So Evil at 12 points cannot win the block. Jeff Cobb is at 16. 
So even if evil, because even if evil wins his his match on the last night, he can't beat Cobb. Uh, point differential. The other big one, of course, is Kazuchika Okada. Okada came in with 14 points. Uh, had a match with Tamatanga, where Tamatanga pulled up the uh, pulled out the upset victory on this night, and he got himself a win. And that sort of spoils the broth a little bit for Kazuchika Okada, or at least you'd think it would be. It would have spoiled the broth because then he's at 14 points and his last match next uh, Monday, next week anyway, I don't quite remember the date off the top of my head, but his his next match is against Kazuchika Okada, uh, against Jeff Cobb, excuse me. So... The, the clash of these two was inevitable towards the end, but now Okada is like two points behind. So you're like, oh, well, Okada absolutely has to win. You know, he... But the minute that Evil lost his match, it really, it, it boiled down to Okada and Cobb, regardless as to whether Okada won his match against Tamatanga or not. Tamatanga gets a win, good for him, but it doesn't add any extra impact. It doesn't add any extra drama. The fact that Evil lost left entirely the situation, left in left the situation entirely between Cobb and Okada. Cobb at 16 points, Okada at 14, and uh Evil at 12. He's he's out. So, I mean, there wasn't any any extra drama there. So we're moving into the, the final match next week, if Okada wins, he ties with Cobb at 16 points, but he has the tiebreaker because uh, if you hold the win on the other, on your opponent, on the other guy, basically, if you hold the win throughout the tournament on the other guy, that breaks a tie. In this case, uh, if Okada beats Jeff Cobb on the final night, well, he'll also hold the tiebreaker. So Okada wins. So, so it's really down to Cobb and Okada. Who is going to win? Who is going to win that one? And I want to say hello to Kristen Ashley, first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Yeah. Good to see you. So. So this is where we're at right now. So this, so so that's the situation. This is where we're at. Um, whoever wins, uh, whoever wins in the main event uh, next week between Cobb and Okada wins the block. It's just that simple. Now, if we talk about uh, block A, that is a, a whole other nine yards. Are you guys ready for this? Because our boy J.K. Schwal. Left us a super chat. Thank you very much, JK. And he says, haven't watched today yet, but what are my boy Kenta's chances of winning block A? Really hoping my math is right on current standings. Block A, as it stands right now, has four people tied for first place with 12 points. All right. We have Kota Ibushi. We have Kenta, we have Zack Sabre Jr., and we have Shingo. Now, I am I am not even remotely going to, to take credit for this. 
because I I'm gonna throw this over to Chris Samza over on Twitter at the Chris Samza who provides stats for English commentary for New Japan among his other things. A guy you should follow if you're into New Japan because he's got all these stats down. Fantastic previews. Now, here's how it. This is how it boils down to. Okay. According to his math, the person who has the largest percentage of winning the block B is Kenta. Kenta has, there are, there are more scenarios in which he, uh, he can win the block. Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. are the second most, have the second most amount. And Shingo only wins block B in two uh, in two scenarios. Do you want me to break these down a little bit? <laughs> okay. If night if the final night of block B ends with Ibushi defeating Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Tangaloa, Shingo defeating uh Yujiro Takahashi, and Ishii defeating Yano, that means that Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Shingo. All tied at 14. Zack Sabre Jr. has the tiebreakers on both those dudes. So he wins block B. Next scenario. Ibushi defeats Kenta. Tangaloa defeats Zack Sabre Jr. Which is possible, by the way. Shingo defeats Yujiro. And Ishii defeats Yano. That means Ibushi and Shingo are tied for 14. But Ibushi has the tiebreaker on Shingo. Shingo advances. Uh, Ibushi advances. And I think that's a... I think this is... uh, These are results that are highly possible. I think all of this is extremely possible. That Ibushi wins... Yeah, that Ibushi wins... uh, Tangaloa wins... Shingo wins, and Ishii wins as well. I think that's all very, very plausible. All makes sense in their with their opponents, you know, because Ibushi versus Kenta is the main event, so they're probably going to stretch that one out to the very end. Like if I if I'm booking, that's what I'm doing. Next scenario: Ibushi defeats Kenta, Tangaloa defeats Zack Saber Jr., Yujiro defeats Shingo. And Ishii defeats Yano. In this situation, Ibushi is the only wrestler who gets 14 points. So you'd have to have Zack, Shingo, and uh, Zack and Shingo lose. Ishii wins. Ibushi is the only wrestler at 14 points. Um, Another scenario. Ibushi defeats Kenta. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa. Yujiro defeats Shingo. And Ishii defeats Yano. That brings us to a, a, a place where Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. are both tied at 14. But Zack Sabre Jr. holds the tiebreaker over Ibushi, so he wins. In a situation where Ibushi defeats Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tonga, Tongaloa, Shingo defeats Yujiro, and Yano defeats Ishii, Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Shingo are all at 14. So we go back to the first scenario. Zack Sabre Jr. has 
uh, has the uh, the tiebreakers over Ibushi and Shingo. And that means he goes forward. I mean, look. Here's one of the... here. Here's one... Let me just pull one up here. Here's one where Kenta wins, okay? Now, it, Kenta, Kenta here might win if he defeats Ibushi. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tongaloa. Shingo defeats Yujiro. And Ishii defeats Yano. Which is a situation that seems plausible to me. Yeah. Kenta defeating Ibushi is the biggest what if, but he absolutely has to defeat Ibushi if he wants to be considered for victory. But then even if Zack Sabre Jr. wins, even if Shingo wins, even if Ishii wins, they're all tied at 14, right? Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Shingo, they're all tied at 14. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., and Shingo all have one, uh, all have tiebreakers against each other. Head-to-head, next level down, which means Ibushi and Ishii at 12. Kenta then has two tiebreakers. Zack Sabre Jr. has one and Shingo has one. Kenta wins the block. That's one of the ways that he can win. I'm not going to go through all 16 scenarios, but as you can see, it is much more convoluted. For, for Block B because there's so many people at the top. So that's exciting. That's going to be a fun show to watch from top to bottom. Because, you know, even today watching the, the Block B, you know, and, you know, with Okada, Jeff Cobb, uh, having Okada in his main event match and then having Cobb and Evil in their match that, that had direct implications, everything else on the card had no implications on the survivability of the... In the of, and the survivor and the survivability on the tournament. So I'm like, ah, all right, you sort of zone out on a couple of things. It's not quite as interesting, not quite as compelling, which is normal because we're heading towards the end of the tournament. But uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to talk more about it uh, tomorrow. My two night recap, and we'll break down all of these scenarios. I'm excited. I am really really excited to do it. So come back and join me tomorrow. For uh, my second to last G1 Climax recap, I'm excited. I love tournament wrestling, as all of you know. Going to talk about more tournament wrestling here. Provided to us this time by the fine, fine folks of at World Wrestling Entertainment. The Queen's Crown Tournament. And the King of the Ring tournament started off last Friday on WWE SmackDown. Have you guys heard about this? <laughs> I want to know your predictions, chat. Let me know who you think is going to come out on top of this of this tournament. Um, you know, I made I made a big deal out of it. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm going to talk about, I'm gonna, just going to mention the reason I made a big deal out of it. Because I like tournament wrestling. I really do. I'm a sucker for tournament wrestling. I think there is nothing more appropriate for a wrestling fan than a wrestling tournament. Because it combines, um, because it combines 
you know, the, the wrestlers, the stuff that you like, a little bit of drama, plus all the speculation that wrestling fans like to do. I don't know if you heard wrestler, wrestling fans like to like to speculate about things. So this is this is the kind of thing I like to do. But to speculate, you need the brackets. And I was going around last week on Twitter. I was like, did anyone, has WWE released the brackets? Has anyone released the brackets? Hell, even Xavier Woods hit Twitter. I was like, I'm looking for the brackets. Does that, has anyone seen the brackets? And I'm like, this is insane. You're starting your tournament this Friday? And you're not giving us the brackets? It's the most fun part to look at the brackets and then be like, oh, this should be done. This is how it's going to happen. Like, why didn't WWE give the 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 available uh, uh, pools for SmackDown and Raw during the draft? That's the fun part of it for anyone who's into that stuff. You look at you look at the list. You're like, this is what WWE. This is how things are going to be set up. And then you're like, N- what? No, nothing, nada. No brackets, no draft pools. So how do we get it? How how do we get excited? How do we get excited as fans? New Japan announces the G1. We all get excited for the G1, but we get really excited. And then people start talking about it when the blocks get announced. Could you imagine going into the G1 and not knowing what the brackets, uh, what the blocks are? Right up until they start announcing matches. I'm like, what? This is dumb. Because that's not fun. You guys remember fun? I like fun. You know, WWE, they like their wrestlers when they like to have fun. (laughs) Why Why can't their fans like to have fun? I still want to point out something. When they say that, she likes to have fun. He likes to have fun. I'm like, how is that a character trait? Who doesn't like to have fun? No, and I'm serious here. How is that something that defines your character? I like fun. Maybe you like to have more fun than a regular person. That, that's a trait. That, that, that's a, that's a character trait right there. But like straight up, she likes to have fun. That, mm, uh, it's like this person enjoys meals. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm off, uh, off on a little tangent here. Back to the, back to the tournament. So, so the thing here with the fun, right? Hey, Rick Poling, good to see you. Welcome. Supersonic X, certified hustler. Nice to see you all. Um, so this is the thing, right? You get a tournament set up, you want people to talk about it, and look, and that's the thing, right? This is the thing. It was such a simple, it's a simple way to get people talking about your thing and getting excited about it on social media. It's something, something you call like free publicity. It's free advertising. And you, you end up owning a conversation among fans, yeah, people start talking about you on podcasts, you know, just like they do with the draft and so on and so forth. Then people are like, uh, bracketology for the uh, for the king of the ring, for the queen's crown. Cool, you know. 
it's all good publicity that you don't spend a dime on. You just have to put out some brackets. Now, of course, this, you know, implies that WWE has a plan, right? That they've planned this out, that they just didn't pull out the names on a whiteboard the day of, right? Of, 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 of course. <laughs> so let's start with the King of the Ring. Because I've got slightly less to say about that. <laughs> um, see, I think it was a... I, I think it's a, it's a solid tournament. I, I really think that they do have some great people in here uh, that made it compelling. And if they had released these brackets, people would have been like, oh, this is cool, right? Rey Mysterio versus Sami Zayn and Cesaro versus Finn Balor was our first round SmackDown matches. Sami Zayn advanced uh, and Finn Balor defeated Cesaro to advance as well. But Cesaro's done. You know, he's he's fish food. He's back back exactly where he was before having a match of the year ma uh, contenders match with Roman Reigns uh, earlier this uh, this winter. Right back to where he was. Push Cesaro, what are you kidding me? Um, so Cesaro versus Finn Balor, Finn Balor advanced, and I enjoyed that match. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. Um, then on the Raw side, we had Xavier Woods versus Ricochet. Um, I don't have to tell you the story about Xavier Woods wanting to win the King of the Ring tournament, right? I think we're all. I think we're all aware of. Uh, I I think we're all aware of the. Uh, uh, of, of how much he's coveting winning King of the Ring. Like, it's, you know, it's a bit of a nerd thing. It's a bit of a geek thing. It works. It, it fits him perfectly. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, as as if to say, you know, you know, my boys here in the New Day, they've been, you know, world champions and all. I just want to be King of the Ring. And let's be frank. He's been, boy, he's been uh, uh, um, uh, lobbying for this for the past two years or so. And, uh, chat, would you agree, would you agree that w, that wrestling fans in general are supportive of the idea of Xavier Woods winning the King of the Ring tournament? Press Y in the chat for yes. Press N in the, in the chat for no, Warren, I disagree with that assessment. Uh, but I feel, overall, that Xavier Woods has a, has the, uh, immediate sympathy of the audience to win this tournament right <clears throat> so <clears throat> to me <clears throat> excuse me it was no surprise that he defeated ricochet on the um on the opening uh, at the opening salvo if uh, you know notwithstanding the fact that ricochet is treated like uh treated like a geek right um but i think that in this situation here he had a, uh, I think Xavier Woods was the natural winner here. And then Jinder Mahal, former WWE champion, Jinder Mahal, defeated Kofi Kingston in a, uh, in a weird one. I'm not sure I would have gone with this decision. I'm not sure I would have done that. 
Because look, <clears throat> you know what I tell y'all sometimes I feel like WWE overthinks booking, you know, like they just, I think they overthunk this one a little too much. Um, just look, because you had right here, if let Kofi defeats Jinder, you have the immediate semi-final match that everyone was like, what would happen? And this is where we're at. We could have got Kofi versus Xavier. And right here, right there, look at what happens. You capitalize on an extra layer of emotion between these two uh, wrestlers because they're partners. They're well-documented good friends. They're buddies. Tag team partners, stablemates, they watch out for each other. A whole layer of emotion and personal stakes to it. Because then the audience gets involved. They're like, well, what's going to happen? Who, who's going to win? Woods or Kingston? And how are they going to react to each other in the ring? You know, I don't think either guy would lay down. Or would Kofi be like, you know, they have a really strong match and Kofi at some point is just like, no, nah, I'm just going to drop this because this means so much to to Woodsy and like there's there are so many different scenarios and compelling scenarios that could have made this semi-final match so good and interesting to watch it would have been perfect for the main event of the show but what so instead of giving us that natural story this this natural build that they could have given us here. They throw in Jinder Mahal. Who no one cares about. And it's not even a question of. I don't. You know, uh, Jinder, uh, Jinder's a. Uh, I hate him. He's a terrible heel. He can't. Like not even that. It's like. You don't care about Jinder. He had a feud. With Drew McIntyre throughout the summer. Where. He didn't wrestle a single time within the be within the buildup to that and lost the match at what was it SummerSlam I think. He's a geek. He's a geek, and he's been losing since his return. He's nothing. He's an under guy. He's a jobber. Former WWE champion, sure, but he's been he's been broken down so hard from that position that. Now he pops in and you're like, so there's no interest to this match, to Xavier Woods versus Jinder, outside of everyone biting their fingernails and going, oh, I wouldn't, my God, I wouldn't put it past WWE to have Xavier lose. And I agree, I wouldn't put it past WWE to have Woods lose here because, because it's WWE. And by God, so hard for them to try and give their audience something they'd like. And, and, I, I, and I think it's something that we're, a lot of people are harping on because in the past two decades where WWE ran alone, right? All we could do was uh, sit through their decisions uh, WWE trying to push the people they wanted to push at us and, and us just being there and lapping it up, right? 
or the weird booking decisions, what not, or, or whatnot, whatever, right? And now there is another national company who has developed a reputation of giving the audience what they like, of producing matches and match results that will make the audience happy, that will see the favorites win, that will see uh, good moments occur. So when we go back to King of the Ring and we... Uh, and we go back to King of the Ring and we're, we see Jinder go ahead. I cannot help but wonder, is this what the people wanted? And I would argue that the people did not want this. I think people would have really dug a Kofi-Xavier match, which for all the reasons I talked about would have been much more compelling than whatever we're going to get uh, this Monday. And it is this... Uh, uh, um, feeling that we have of WWE, you know, always kind of trying to swerve us, right? Because the swerve is so goddamn important. Always trying to swerve us and keep us on our toes and have, you know, give us the unexpected. It's this same feeling that's in the pit of our stomach as we're going into, as we continue with King of the Rings, like they're going, where people are legitimately saying, uh, Woods is probably going to lose. When it should not be the case. I don't care if Woods winning King of the Ring is predictable. I care about the journey. I care about the path that we get there. And you know what? The outcome of King of the Ring should be Xavier Woods winning the thing. Because imagine a year of him doing the King gimmick. That's going to be a lot of fun. Because Woods is a legitimately creative guy. But you, you can't help but think that they're going to pull the rug from under and be like, ah, swerve, it's going to be Sami Zayn. I'm a huge Sami Zayn guy. Love Sami Zayn. He's a good guy, has a good heart on his uh, shoulders. That's the expression, right? Um, but I don't want him winning King of the Ring. I don't. So that's why I look at this and it kind of frustrates me now because I'm like, WWE, just give the people what they want to see. Give the people what they want to see. Don't concern yourselves with creating these long-term stories. We're going to go down this path and then you'll see. And then Don't give us any situations where we're told to let it play out. Just give the people what they want. My God, man. Apron Bump, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. I will be joining the Apron Bump podcast very, very soon. In a couple of weeks. I'm excited for that. Metal Michael, nice to see you, sir. Good to see you, Evan Wright. You have the keys to the house now, apparently. Nice to see you. And, uh, and Heather as well. Nice to see you as well. And yet, I, I, I know, like, Sammy's not going to win because, you know, the, the finals are happening at Saudi Mania or Saudi Slam. And, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm continu continuing my non-coverage of the event, right? Um, and I kind of hate how normalized everyone has sort of become in regards to the results, right, of, of the... Uh, 
in regards to the results, the finals, because of where the event is being held. Oh, Sammy can't go there. Oh, Shayna Baszler can't go there. Uh, there's a fair chance that um, uh, a Dewdrop can't go there either because of their sexual orientations. I'm like, and so so it can't be her. And I hate that this is normal. I hate that this is like part of the discourse where people are going, well, they can't go because it's in Saudi. I, I know that's a fact, but it shouldn't be normal. It's this is this should not be part of our wrestling conversation. We should not be excluding people who can't travel to a country because one of their ethnicity or because of their sexual orientation. Do you do you hear what I'm saying here? Do you understand what I'm saying? This should not be part of our predictions. This should not be part of our, oh, well, you know, the, this is how uh, the, the match should, this is how the tournament should end. It makes no sense to me that we're doing this in a country, again, that has the one of the worst human rights records on the planet. Where you still get flogged for being a homosexual and and imprisoned. Flogged. What is this? 1450. Jesus. This is the casual comment that I hear. And there's nothing casual about it. It doesn't make sense. It's not. This should not be part of the discussion. This is why I'm choosing not to cover Saudi slam. Because it shouldn't be acknowledged. It shouldn't be, there's no airtime that should be given to this. We shouldn't be wringing our hands, looking at the card and saying, oh, this is pretty good. This is bad. No, no. Everything about it is awful. So when we're talking about the, the Queen's Crown Tournament and when we're saying we're saying to each other, you know what, Shayna Baszler should be in the finals here and she should be, you know, the, the one who tears it up. Oh, well, she probably can't go because of because, you know, she's a lesbian. I'm like, motherfucker, this isn't this isn't right. And if you have talent, like you're homegrown and this, you know, Daniel Bryan has done this and you have talent who refuses to go. And there's been reports on this in the past. You know, we're not going to this because it contravenes, you know, what we, what we believe in. The fuck does it, what does that, what, what does that, what should that evoke to you? Ungratefulness? No. Should be more along the lines of, I understand why that person's deciding not to go. But then even on top of that, why is your company going there in the first place? Queen's crown, though. Talked about it. Talked about, you know, the, the finals. We got the Saudi bullshit out of the way, okay? Now I want to talk about the North American bullshit. Which is what the fuck is this tournament? What is, what, what, what is this? What is this shit? 
We got all, all of the matches, all of the qualifying, not the qualifying, but the first round matches were all under three minutes. Dewdrop and Natalia went three minutes. Everything else was under three minutes. How do you get into a tournament like that? How does that make it exciting? How is this elevating? How is this elevating Zelina, Carmella, Dewdrop? How is this elevating any of them? Having these shit short matches. But Warren, what do we cut then if we give the women longer matches? Roman! Roman doesn't need 12 minutes every week. Well, I don't need to watch Dana Brooke for 10 minutes. Well, don't! Yeah, keep the squash. Let, let Shayna squash her. But if all your matches are under three minutes, then there's nothing. Nothing is worthwhile. Nothing. There's nothing worthwhile that comes out of this. If you were excited... Hey... If you're a fan of the diva era, oh, we're, we're right on board here. We're just, this is exactly it. We're right on board. Oi, Dewdrop and Natalia was just two minutes shy of a, uh, I think, was it Ke Kelly Kelly versus Melina at WrestleMania 23? I can't remember. This was about five minutes and 35 seconds. Look, if you're a fan of the Divas and you're looking forward for those Divas to return, oh boy, Eva Marie's back. Well, there you go. You get all of them these two, three-minute matches where nothing happens. And most importantly, no one gets over. No one gets over in this type of booking. It's not helping anyone. Because everyone looks like geeks. And straight off the gate. Straight out the gate. Look, if you... What do you do to get people invested in a tournament? Right? You have to have... You have to have some some crowd favorites win, right? You got to get some baby faces, right? What happens on SmackDown? Both heels win. Zelina and Carmella. And while I like Carmella and I enjoy Zelina's uh, Zelina as a personality, I think they're I think they're both wrong choices. Especially when it comes to Zelina. And you had Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Not the greatest wrestler, but very competent. She's not going to have a barn burner. She's no Sasha Banks. She's no Serena Deeb. But she's fine. More... Importantly, she has a following. She has an organic base of fans who want her to succeed, who want her to go over, who want her to get the big wins. Why would you not have her 
go forward in the first round. And yes, I've read the reports that she was scheduled, but she was penciled in to win, but they decided they have to go with Carmella. Um, she was penciled in, sure, but she still didn't win it. It it doesn't matter if you were penciled in. If, if, if someone else's name is written in ink. Again, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that Liv Morgan is uh, is the greatest wrestler in, in the WWE's women's division. I'm not going to tell you that she's the end all of it. What I am telling you, though, is that she has fans. She has people who are ready to root for her. She comes off as an underdog. And you know what WWE is really good at? Booking underdogs. They're very, very good at doing that. It's one of the, it's the only type of babyface they're able to book. Oh, that and a babyface that's been bullied. A babyface that was bullied when they were young. That's the, that's the only other one, right? It, it baffles me that they're completely unable like completely unable to just let it go, let her go and do her thing. I mean, look, her start-stop pushes and just if the report is true that she was penciled in and then removed, this proves to me that there is a uh, uh, um, uh, that there is a, a debate backstage as to what to do with her. There, there clearly is. There, like there, there's no direction in regards to Liv Morgan, there's pe- people pulling for her, people pulling against her. That's what it tells me. But my God, man, just put your fan favorites in here. I love Piper Niven. Love Viper when she was on Brit Reds before she got gobbled up by NXT. She's fantastic. I love her. I wouldn't go as far as to say she's a fan favorite. She's been geeking out with the queen of the geeks. For the past three months. Not going to tell me she's over. Liv Morgan, while she might not be over with the com- with the entirety of the WWE Universe, she is over with a large, loud amount of people who would have propulsed this tournament forward for WWE. Like right now... There is nothing to be interested in this tournament. Nothing. There is no reason for you to be interested. Outside of saying to yourself, finally Shayna Baszler's going to win. But then they're doing it in, in, in Saudi Slam. So then people are like, oh, she's not going to win. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Do you see how crippling this fucking booking is? There is no big feel to this tournament. There there just is not. And that's wild to me. Because this is the first King of the Ring style tournament that they're doing for the women. And why aren't they making a big deal out of it? Why is it the first ever, first ever? Goddamn WWE likes their first evers. But there's no first ever here. Just go. And that should have been a warning sign. That you've got Johnny Ace and Bruce in the back going, fuck the women and we don't care. We'll use the horse women, but not the rest. You know, at some point, they're going to have to elevate other people. They're going to have to elevate other women. Why aren't they 
Why aren't they preparing anyone right now? Why aren't they warming anyone up right now? Because there's no undercard. Baffling to me. I want to say hello to the Nick Nutter. Good to see you. And Jermaine Presley. Nice to see you both. Welcome to Warren's House of Angry tonight. <laughs> Remember, folks, um, I'm following some notes here. But if you if you want to direct, if you want to ask me a question, if you want me to answer your question on the air, give me a super chat. Ask your question. Ask me anything related to wrestling. And we'll talk about it. <clears throat> Speaking of WWE, <laughs> have you heard? Have you heard the report that uh, that TLC is going to be canceled in December? I think as far as it, I don't know if it's officially been canceled, but I, um, but I think that um, I don't think it's officially been canceled. But I think we are. Uh, but that's the report that's been circulating. Does this, is this a sign, a portend, if you like, that, uh, that we're done with, uh, st stipulation pay-per-views? If so, I am all for it. I am all for it. Because if there's one good thing coming out of the, coming out of the Seth Rollins edge feud that seems to that always that you always feel is done but apparently is not quite done um is that Seth came out on Friday and challenged Seth at Saudi Slam Hell in a Cell and I'm like fantastic and then it, it you know it reminded me and a whole bunch of other people that you know what makes Hell in a Cell fantastic and great is when he, it it appears a little bit out of nowhere for some wrestlers who have, you know, a big reason to blow off their feud, which fits perfectly with Seth and Edge, I think they've had some of the some of the 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 the, the Fed's best matches this year. Um, so, so the when when you get to when you get to the point where these two guys hate each other so much, and you know that Seth Rollins breaks into Edge's home. And Edge is like, motherfucker, I'm, we're hell in a selling this now. That makes sense to me. Kind of like a TLC match. You pull out a TLC match, you know, out of nowhere. And you're like, cool, table ladders and chairs. Oh, my, this is great. You know, Extreme Rules, which was the last pay-per-view, right? Uh, had one no disqualification match. And and a no disqualification match on a, ma on a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules is you know, kind of underwhelming. If anything, you know, I prefer to be, to see people being thrown to alligators uh, in the swamp. You know, to me, there's something, there's something a little more surprising to that than just, you know, turnbuckle pad, turnbuckle pad snapping as someone wants to fly off. Um, I mean, look, probably not, but it did sort of reignite that idea, that impression, that, you know what? Maybe maybe we're on the path to WWE doing away with these 
stipulation pay-per-views. You know, you could keep Elimination Chamber because Elimination Chamber, it's a, you know, it's a huge structure and you don't want to carry that around all the time. But I always thought that Elimination Chamber was just a convoluted Hell in a Cell because ultimately that's what it is. It's just a, an, an overly complex Hell in a Cell when Hell in a Cell just does, Hell in a Cell has the history of being dangerous. It has the history of, you know, bloodshed and maiming and all that great stuff. Um, you pull it out and it suddenly feels important kind of thing, you know? I like it. I like it if they go that down that path. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to enjoy... I won't miss the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view where we have to sit through two, three Hell in a Cell matches. Um, Extreme Rules, fine. TLC, fine as well. Because they feel forced. It's like, oh, TLC time is coming up, huh? <laughs> Hell in a Cell calling it for for the, the Seth Rollins and, and Edge feud. It makes sense. I like it. Don't like that it's being, it's happening at Saudi Slam, but that's a whole other thing. J.K. Schwal left us a question in super chat form. Thank you very much, J.K. Schwal. He says, whenever you're done yelling, Hayes, and would like to be happier <laughs> and earn that TK paycheck this week. That's right. I'm on the payroll. Very disappointed to see that I am not on the payroll, that I was not on that payroll that was circulating earlier today. I, 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 regarding AEW, I don't know if you saw that. A, a, a list of AEW wrestlers and the amount of money they make. Apparently, Dean Ambrose makes $6 million. Is it a year? I don't know. It's just written $6 million. The Young Bucks make $2 million. Is it both, is it 1 million for Nick, 1 million for, for Matt? I don't know. It's 2 million. Brandy Rhodes makes three. Dusty Rhodes makes, I think, $2 million, making him officially the highest paid dead person in all of professional wrestling at $2 million. <laughs> what are we doing? So here's the question. Um, thoughts on the notebook full gear card. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is a good, I, 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 if you have not been hanging around social media, which God bless you, <laughs> if you haven't, you, 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 your mind is definitely in a better place. Um, there, there was a, fo a, a, a photograph circulating of, Anthony Khan, uh, in a football uh, uh, stadium. I was going to say arena like a dope. Football stadium, and uh, there's uh, stuff going around him. There's a jumbotron in the way back with someone holding up a sign that says, We love Trevor. And he's clutching close to his chest like this. You know, he's got, he's got a notepad like this, and he's sort of looking off into the distance like, there's action happening over there, and Tony is sort of like this, and he's holding his notepad up close to his chest. There's sh there's stuff written on the notepad. And upon further inspection, you know, Twitter users and internet users, you know, using those those high high definition enhancement techniques to zoom in to to uh, to the notes that he had scribbled down, revealed what appears to be. A tentative, penciled-in card 
for full gear 2021. Um, lots of stuff scribbled there because they're scribbles. It's a, you know, a guy writing stuff down and then he's like, and he, and he's circled in, in all of the matches that are set up there. He circled, you know, wrestlers, which people have immediately assumed to be the winner. And I think one of the one of the biggest uh, uh, um, one of the biggest uh, well the biggest revelation here I guess is uh, Kenny Omega will be facing Hangman Hangman Page, and Hangman Page was circled. I don't remember the rest. I don't, and I, I, I'm I'm sorry, J.K. Like I don't remember the other the other stuff because I thought it was funny more than anything else. But then a lot of people started. Well, here, let, let TK here. Tony Khan notepad, notebook. There we go. See, it's, see. Let's go for for the record. Okay, this is what we have here. Just, for the record, because honestly, I didn't look at the uh, in detail, and you know, because I was sort of like, people are going nuts for this. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Something we've seen in WWE. The Inner Circle versus American Top Team. MJF versus Darby Allen. CM Punk versus Wardlow. Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill. Uh, which would no that no 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 sorry. Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill. Cargill. Christian Cage versus Adam Cole. The Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. And AW champion, AW women's champion Britt Baker is also listed for a match, but it is difficult to make out who her planned opponent is. Cody Rhodes is also down as competing, while the notes suggest he will face either Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo, or Miro. Now, this is hilarious to me. <laughs> this is funny. Um... Because of course anything can happen, and you know, we can we can have ourselves a card subject to change here, right? I mean, is it is it real or is it fake? I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. Despite this, Tony Khan is a smart fella, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I saw a lot of people that eh, look at this dope. You don't operate on the level that TK does. Because remember, where we, you know, we always think about him, you know, in this, you know, the wrestling booker. But you know, he's, you know, he he he's involved in football slash soccer. You know, in the he's not an idiot. He's not a moron. And I don't think this picture was taken by accident. I think, I think, don't forget, this is a guy who hung out on message boards in the 90s, who was subscribed to the Observer, probably still is, probably never canceled his Observer. He's been on the Observer um, news boards. He's been in chat rooms. He's been one of us. You don't think that this guy knows how to work us? Yes, he does. And I think he got exactly what he wanted. 
got people to keep AEW on the online conversation. And by God, if... And by the way, if this is if this is the card here, look, if this is the card for 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 full gear, there's a lot of it that is exact. Like, there's no big shockers here. Maybe CM Punk versus Wardlow, where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill. They started hyping that on on Friday, right at um, at Rampage. But everything, and maybe John Moxley versus Daniel Bryan is a little bit out of nowhere. They haven't, but everything else it, it makes sense in the storylines that they're setting up right now. Page won the the the, the chip. Uh, American top team in the inner circle. They've they've been at each other. MJF and Darby Allen. Look, you'd have to be a dope to not think that MJF and Darby Allen aren't going to fight at the full gear at this point. Uh, Christian Cage versus Adam Cole. It's part of the story. Same thing with the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express. It's all, everything makes sense. It's, to me, it's not a shocker. To me, there's like two matches where I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Didn't see that coming. And everyone's like, oh, Hangman is circled. Hangman is going to win. But what if Tony Khan circles the losers what if he puts an emphasis on this is the person who will lose the match everyone just assumes that the circle means the winner but what what if it's not you don't know how his brain works you don't know but my god tony khan that's the point it's like he did this to keep himself in the conversation to keep aw in the conversation and jesus if he didn't choose violence this week to stay in the conversation, I don't know. I don't know what else he was doing. WWE announces, right, that they're overrunning SmackDown by 30 minutes this Friday, right, to overlap with uh, Rampage. So, w, so because SmackDown is going to be on FS1, they want to make a big splash. They're adding 30 minutes. Main event is Sasha versus uh, Becky. And um, and WWE announces, yeah, we're going to stretch it out till 10.30. Going head-to-head for at least a half hour with uh, AEW Rampage. First time ever in the history of all things <laughs> that... Two wrestling shows go head-to-head on a Friday night. And he's like, you know, and I remember his response, like, all right, cool, 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 right? He was like, you know, if you, I welcome the challenge kind of thing. Cool, 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 cool. Next thing you know, he's he's say, he's announcing, he's, he's, he's announcing that he's doing a, a, a YouTube show uh, an hour before Rampage. So from, so from 9 to 10 Eastern, on YouTube, I'm doing a buy-in. Uh, so, you know, the AEW lingo for a, a, a pre-show available for free on on, on on the internet for YouTube.com slash AEW Wrestling. Or just AEW? I don't know. I'm subscribed, so I just click on the thing. Um, <clears throat> so, I was like, all right, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. And he announces, like, I'm doing... I'm doing Bobby Bobby Fish and Daniel Bryanson 
<laughs> are going to be in action. And, all right, uh, interesting. Okay, cool. So, and then people are like, are they going to be fighting each other? That'd be cool. Well, what he came up with was actually pretty cooler. First of all, he's bringing in our boy Lee Moriarty to fight Bobby Fish. I'm like, that's dope, right? And he's like, oh, then Daniel Bryan will also be, uh, Brian Danielson will also be uh, in action. And who does, who, who, who does he pull out to face Daniel Bryan on this buy-in show? But who else than Minoru Suzuki, who is wrapping up his tour of the North Americans, and he's like, I got to use him one more time. Gives him a call. Says, Minoru, can you be here? And he says, young boy, I'll be there. Fuck you. And then he hangs up. Because <laughs> those, those are, I think that's about, you know, that's a third of the English that Minoru Suzuki knows. Young boy, I'll be there. Fuck you. Um. So, so, that's, so that's the cool thing. So he announces Bobby Fish, Lee Moriarty. And then next thing you know, he's dumping Daniel Bryan and Minoru Suzuki on our unworthy crowns, right? And here's what's fantastic. This is a match. This is a match. Think about it. Like, I want y'all to take a, a step back. I want you to go back to April, March this year. Daniel Bryan was... Hype was getting prepared and hype for his big, big WrestleMania match. Just five, six months ago. Six months ago, seven months ago at this point. He was getting ready to fight in WrestleMania and people were sitting around saying, wouldn't it be great if Daniel Bryan could go to Japan and have all these great matches with Kazuchika Okada, with Hiroshi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, while he he still while he still can, and Minoru Suzuki, and look look at what's happening. Just a few months later, the book is open. Daniel Bryan can do whatever he wants. Daniel Bryan says, tells uh, tells Tony Khan. He says, I'd like to go to Japan. Tony Khan says, no, don't worry. Uh, don't worry, Brian. I'm going to bring Japan to you. That's how much I like you. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm creating a scenario here that probably doesn't exist. We are getting one of these aforementioned dream matches. They had the last time these two fought was in 2004. Brian was probably five years into business at this point. Four years at the most? The five years at the most? Four? Like he was still young. Minoru Suzuki out of pancreas. Chip on his shoulder. Just wants to beat the shit out of people. And that's what happened. Now we're getting Daniel Bryan. Established as a legend. One of the greatest wrestlers of our generation. Probably one of the greatest uh, 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 American wrestlers of all time. Uh, at the peak of his popularity, a guy who is beloved by all, uh, uh, casual fans, hardcores, going up against another legend in Minoru Suzuki, and we're getting it for free. 
We're getting this for free and not free TV, not commercial free. We're getting this, you know, all you need is an internet access free. You have a phone, you go to your library, you go, you order a chalupa and you go sit in the Taco Bell parking lot free. That's what you do. That's where you get to watch Daniel Bryan versus Minoru Suzuki. And I still saw absolute, absolute cold water, cold shower dopes. Talking wrestling business like it's been dipped, uh, frozen in carbonite since 1997. Saying, this match should have been kept for a pay-per-view. What do you give a shit about that for? First of all, the business has changed so much. You don't have to wait to put this. This is a throwaway match to try and capitalize on the fact that one of the legends of the business is still in the American United States of America. <laughs> and we're going to try and use them, bring them on TV for a one-off match. There's no build to it. We don't need the build. What are you talking about, you you dope? We don't need a, a, a build for this. I didn't, didn't need, you didn't need three weeks a month of Daniel Bryan and Minoru Suzuki cutting segments on each other. I don't give a shit. The minute you announce it, I'm into it. We got two weeks of build for Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega. Did we need more? No, because some matches just make themselves. There's another company who feels that these special matches are going to need like three months build to get to, to create the anticipation necessary. But the match, like Jason Piastri just said in the chat, the match is the build. It's that simple. My God, these people say, what a bad business move. But what do you know about it? You clearly don't know. You don't know anything about this business. If you're sitting around saying, this should have been reserved for a pay-per-view, you don't understand how the rights games work. You don't know how television works anymore. You don't. You you don't. You, you just, you've been sitting around sniffing those old observers that you had back in 1997 when everyone was trying to convince each other that the ratings were super important, you know, to the enjoyment of what a wrestling match is and somehow this bled into how wrestling fans feel about their their, their preferred companies. Like, well, this is clearly the, the one I should be watching because there's more people watching. That doesn't mean anything. Not for you as a fan, as someone who's watching it. Yeah, cool that your promotion is succeeding. If your favorite promotion is succeeding and you want to follow with that, that's fine. But it shouldn't have any implication on you watching a match happen. Saying to yourself, this, sh this should have been on a pay-per-view. Just fucking enjoy it. You're getting it for free. You got Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega going 30 minutes on, on, on cable television a couple of weeks ago. You didn't have to shell out 60 bucks to watch it. What are you bitching about? No, you don't even have to... You could cancel your cable package, you know, today and not have it tomorrow and you can still watch the fucking match. And on top of that, even if you don't catch it live tomorrow on Friday, it'll be the easiest match to watch because it's YouTube. It's going to be on YouTube. You can watch it later or you can, it's probably 
for a lot of people, a lot easier to watch it on YouTube on replay than it is to try and fiddle with their DVRs or you know the on-demand service from the cable companies. Absolute weirdos who think that this is a bad move. As a fan of pro wrestling, you can only embrace this. If WWE did shit this cool, but they don't. Because they're about the status quo, folks. They're about keeping things the way they are. You don't believe me that this is not a company, that this is a, that WWE is a company that is about the status quo. Look at how their shows are formatted. Their shows always start the exact same way. A long, drawn-out promo for the first quarter hour, for the first ratings bit. You know, you like the ratings so much, you like to talk about the ratings so much and how important they are. Well, the first bit of, of WWE programming, whether it be Raw, whether it be SmackDown, starts off with people sauntering down to the ring to give us eight minutes of exposition just because you're an idiot at home and you don't understand why these people are fighting. You have to, we have to dive really deep into that for eight minutes. And that's, it's the same formula for the show week after week. And this isn't new. This isn't recent. Been doing that for years. It's a company that is about the status quo, keeping things as they are. Don't shake the box. The box is full of stuff that's working. Just don't shake it. Because the box might come apart. Don't shake it. What if they, why couldn't w, WWE? That's the thing is that WWE could do cool shit like this. They choose not to. Remember, these are choices. Oh, but Warren, if WWE did this now, people would say that they're just copying AEW. So what? So what? I don't care. Neither should you. You should embrace it. You should embrace this kind of stuff. You need someone to shake up the cage and make things interesting. It'll bring the best out of WWE. It'll bring the best out of AEW. And you know what? It'll bring the best out of everyone else underneath as well. Because you've got to know a whole ecosystem of wrestling companies outside of all of this. MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact, NWA. If the boys up top are doing good and are making things interesting, it benefits everyone. And it even trickles down into the indies as well. Get into it. This is cool. This is fun. Let them take shots at each other. That's what I was telling about. Talk. Uh, I, this leads into what I was saying about Tony Khan chose, choosing violence. You'd think that this was enough with the 30-minute thing, but no, he goes on Robbie Barstool's podcast and he, and he takes a shot at Monday Night Raw. And I quote... Tony Khan, I'm not saying for sure that we'll win, talking about Friday, right? I'm not saying for sure that we'll win, and maybe the odds are against us in some ways, but we're going to we're going to do the better show, you know. I know. If you don't believe me, watch the go-home show, Raw. They did last night because it sucked. It 
It's his words. It And he's right. It was a terrible edition of Raw. But there you have the president, the CEO, the, the, the head booker, the head honcho of AEW out there calling out the competition, <clears throat> saying their product stinks. And then he goes off, what is it, was it today? And he's like, I can do commercial free too. If I choose to, I've got more money than they do. I'm like, my God, like he's out swinging. And I love it. I'm telling you. Mainstream televised wrestling has never been this, this fun to follow. Never been this fun to be involved in. And everyone is like, Tony Khan should keep WWE out of their mouth. He, will, he should keep his hate to himself. AEW, I'm going to try and not get over the top here. Because I have been shouting a lot tonight. In my, I've been pushing from the throat, not from the diaphragm. AEW is a company that was built on, let's say, heavy dislike for WWE. Right? It was built to serve as an alternative to that product. It was built by wrestlers who tried to get into the system or were aware of how it worked and were not interested in that product. Or rest, And with wrestlers who were in that company and needed to get out and have an alternative place to work. So Tony Khan going around saying, I watched Raw last night, it sucked, is absolutely on brand. You've got people saying, it's classless. It's what, this is how AEW was built. This is how they reached down to the fan base of professional wrestling fans and said, look, we are going to give you something else. And they've always been about the other guys, that's that's how they were able to get this grassroots support because they were creating this environment where it was sort of like going to be like this constant super indie show. That's what they were about. And if Tony Khan is going out there right now screaming and saying, WWE sucks, they can come after me on Friday, it's not a problem, You know, I can spend as much money as I want, let him do it, let him do it. Vince McMahon did the same thing back in the 90s. Eric Bischoff did the same thing. No one is classy here. No one is like, oh, I'm above the... They've all done it. Paul Heyman built ECW. Built ECW off the backs of WWE and WCW. That's exactly it. It's like, look, both of these companies suck. The real workers are down here. I'm paraphrasing, but that's all what they've done. Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to a fight. I'll fight you, Vince. Do you think, do you think that people back then said, oh, wow, bold move, Eric, bravo. No, people thought it was stupid. The same type of reaction that we're getting today. But that's part and parcel. These are wrestling promoters. Wrestling promoters. 
This is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to get you excited for their product. They're supposed to tell you my product is better. Not, well, you know, when you compare, statistically speaking, what we do, you know, I think our, our main advantage is, you know, the, the cast of colorful characters that we have. No, that's not, that's not it. And the fact that WWE doesn't do it nowadays or at least not as pronounced, not as direct, because Triple H has had his moments, right? Let's, let's be honest. The only reason they don't do it is because they haven't done it for the past 20 years. They don't feel like they have to do it. But trust me, had there been anyone else in the meantime posing this kind of threat, I'm willing to bet that at least once Vince would have pulled out a full-page ad in a magazine, in a newspaper, outlining all the reasons why the other guy's product is bad and advertisers should shy away. Just like he did. I don't know what to tell you. Now, I was discussing this with the first lady, Kristen Ashley herself, by the way, Justin Firestein, beep boop, DGMC, nice to see you all. I was discussing this very subject with Kristen a couple of nights ago. And we got into a, a, a legitimate area where we, we cannot find common ground. Kristen, on her end, says that this type of behavior... And I, and I want to do this because it's an interesting counterpoint, even though I don't agree with it. It's still an interesting counterpoint. Kristen advances that this, this type of behavior enables toxic behavior on the internet. You know, the, the fan bases that are already very, very grimy and in some, certain, some circumstances just, just terrible and awful, really. Uh, this just uh, gives them... More ammunition, more ammunition, ammunition uh, for and against. It just helps devolve the situations, right? It just helps devolve everything. And I'm like, well, I mean, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. But then maybe like in, maybe it's because I am an old school fan and I was around the boards as well back then, back in the 90s at the height of the Monday Night Wars and in RSPW on Usenet. Maybe it's because it's all stuff I've seen before and there is no reactions that I'm seeing that aren't similar to what I've seen in the past. People get bent out of shape for the same types of reasons. Maybe that's part of why I can't quite see eye to eye with Kristen's viewpoint, which I think is a, is a fair one. I, as a wrestling fan, see fires getting stoked. I see people getting excited about their products. And that's the nature of the beast. That's exactly it. It's sports. It's not like politics. Where politics is like, you're not supposed to choose a team. And support the team throughout. It's supposed to find people who connect with your values and support them, as opposed to 
I'm on this side of the spectrum and I'm only going to vote there. That that doesn't doesn't make sense. Team sports, it's another thing. This is what it is. I love it. And I, I, Tony Khan did this week. Fantastic stuff. I'm excited to see how all this is going to happen. I'm super excited for tomorrow. I'm very excited for tomorrow on Friday. Minoru Suzuki stuff, are you kidding me? GCW got some big, big news. They had a couple of shows this weekend. The Aftermath. We had uh, the, the Aftermath and Fight Club. Fight or in the opposite order. Fight Club and the Aftermath. <clears throat> I was able to catch Fight Club. Unfortunately, not all of the Aftermath. Um, but, uh, you know, GCW shows are fun. And they're uneven. And I think that's kind of part of the charm. But not everything connects for me on a GCW card. There's wrestlers, there's people's people, there's styles, there's stuff that doesn't quite, that doesn't always do it for me. But the highs are so high, you know? They're, they're soaring highs. Nick Gage right now is, like, he's a consistent high. Um, Effie, Matt Cardona... That was brilliant stuff. What a great, what a great feud. What great buildup. And I was sure Cardona would be done with GCW. I was sure he was losing. I was convinced his, his GCW career was up, but no, he doubled down, brought in his girlfriend. If you don't think that GCW isn't a big indie, Leo Rush showed up as a surprise. Unannounced. No, he was announced. But Thunder Rosa showed up unannounced to wrestle in the scramble. Her first intergender match since 1919, 2019. She's not that old. Uh, here I am going 19, since 1962. <laughs> um, and that's what makes, you know, that's what makes GCW what it is. It's not, you know... The unevenness, discovering talent, finding the talent that you really like and connecting with them. And everything seems very intimate and close and loud and boisterous. There's a lot of good to it. The main event I thought was was fine. Again, you know, I'm I'm on the record, right? I mean, there's no big surprise here. I'm not a big deathmatch guy. I don't care for it all that much. I like it in big circumstances. I personally, I, I enjoyed... Nick Gage versus uh, Matt Cardona more than than this one. If we're talking about recent death matches, I think this was pretty good. I thought I thought it was. Don't get me wrong. Mox and and Gage just destroyed each other. You know, Mox's back was mincemeat. Literally, like it was. I was floored. You know, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. But I think you know. I have a weird, I have a weird curve. I have, no, I haven't quite developed my, my rating curve for death matches yet. You know, I, 
because I don't have the palate for it. So it's like, no, it was, I liked it. It was brutal, you know. But I felt like Gage Cardona told a better story. Anyway. The big news coming out of this weekend, right, is that GCW is going to be running the Hammerstein Ballroom. And that is huge news. Tremendous news. Now, I don't know, you know, I got a wide variety of people here who are who watch listen to the Mr. Warren Hayes show uh and a lot of what um uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people watch and may not know exactly what you know oh the Hammerstein Ballroom that's okay it's it's a venue yeah it's 3,000 people you know it's it's not that big a, you know there maybe some people don't quite understand the relationship that wrestling has with the Hammerstein, right? And, I, and I'm not saying this to gatekeep. I'll walk you through it. It'll be my pleasure just to... Because the Hammerstein or the, the Manhattan Center, right? Uh, in uh, Was uh, really sunk deeply into its relationship with wrestling back in January of 1993 when the first episode of Monday Night Raw was uh, was held there. Right was re- was recorded there, uh, and uh, they would produce for they would produce the matches there, uh, Raws there for a few months. I think like a few months later in November, they started going back on the road. Right, I don't think that 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 uh, that they stayed all that long, um, and uh, it uh, it the Manhattan Ballroom, the Manhattan Ballroom, the Manhattan the Manhattan Center then became the home for ECW when ECW would come. To do shows uh, in New York, they get out of Philly, um, so they would have cards that would be promoted at the Hammerstein in 2000, 2001, um, as well as the you know the the ECW one night stand pay per views once ECW became a WWE thing. Ring of Honor promoted cards in the building on a regular basis between two thousand seven and two thousand twelve. Got Kenta Kabashi in there, Misawa. You know, the, uh, uh, TNA did some shows there as well. So, I mean, this is it's a it's a venue that is knees deep in wrestling history and with companies promotions that all still exist today. Well, maybe not ECW, but no, sorry, but company most companies still exist today. Uh, and uh, and uh, whose histories are intertwined with the with the uh, with the uh, with the Hammerstein. So if if G- so, the fact that GCW is running it is a big deal. That means it's entering like th- there is a feeling of oh, GCW is taking a next step here. They're going into this beautiful venue, not without its faults. You know, everyone that I've heard who's watched wrestling shows at the at the at the Hammerstein are like, well, you know, there's you know, there's bl- you know, there's blind areas, you know, there's spots that are just dreadful that you can't see, and so on and so forth. But the mystique of the building, what it represents, I think it really does indicate that GCW is taking a next step. It's going forward. It's taking its it's taking its it's standing. And entering it into 
a pantheon of very well loved, uh, where where very special wrestling matches occurred, very special wrestling events. Maybe WWE, you know, WWE Raw back in the day. It was a new thing. It was something different. Sure, it was, you know, in the whole new generation era. That's a whole other ball game. But the intimate aspect of it, you know, it kind of, it felt special. And there's something that does feel special about the ballroom. So that's a big deal. And I'm kind of, and I'm really glad that they're doing it. I think it's great. I think it's a sign. I think it's a sign that they're doing very well. And if you want another sign that they're doing very well, they announced today that they're launching LA Fights. What is LA Fights? Well, I'm about to tell you. By reading the press release, Game Changer Wrestling is proud to announce the launch of LA Fights, a California-based promotion intended to serve as a companion to GCW on the West Coast. Similar to GCW's Jersey Championship Wrestling brand on the East Coast, LA Fights will provide an additional showcase for both both the West Coast rising stars and Southern California Southern California legends to compete on the GCW platform. That's badass. Cuz you know what that means, right? There there this is what it means. Hey Jack Davini, welcome to the chat. Sorry if I butchered your last name. What, what's really awesome here is what this means is GCW is creating its its own feeder system. It's essentially what it is. You're going to have guys and gals on the East Coast. You're going to have guys and gals on the West. And then the like the who are going to be wrestling on a regular basis. And outside of the official GCW brand. And they said, uh, uh, Brett Lauderdale said that the LA fights would be like the GCW shows. Uh, they'd be uh, broadcast for free on the YouTube channel. So you, it's promotion for GCW. You're going to get to see these up-and-comers, these new stars on YouTube. And then the, the the marquee GCW shows, that's where they're going to end up. That's the achievement that they're going to want to, uh, that they're, they're, they're going to want to, to reach for. How about that? How about like having a, you know, why not having this type of, of environment for the indies? I think it's great. And I think it is a, it, it comes across as a very good move for GCW's future. It's not as if, it's not as if GCW is going to run out of independent wrestling talent at any given time. That's, I, that's, you know, inconceivable at this point. GCW is, you know, is a national indie. You can't say that it's territorial. It's not, let's say, like Warrior Wrestling that works out of the Midwest or Zello Pro. Um, or, or you know, beyond, out of, the north, uh, out of the Northeast. This is a national indie from top to bottom. And it's going to be creating its own stars. How can you not get excited about that? I think you no, I think you can not get excited about it. <laughs> don't don't want to. No, no, I can understand why people are like, ah, whatever. You know, you don't like indie shows. That's fine. But if you are a fan of GCW, if you are a fan of the independent North American independence, this is great. 
more exposure, more work. This is good for talent. It's great for GCW. I hope uh, I hope it works out wonderfully for them. Just before we wrap things up, there was a uh, a casting call that was a casting notice. Excuse me, that was uh, released earlier uh, this week. You're probably sitting there saying, Warren, why are you talking? Why are you talking about casting notices to me right now? Your viewer, listener of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Why am I? Li- why are you talking about casting notices on uh, on your wrestling podcast? Well, the casting notice was released by uh, Wow Women of Wrestling. You know, that upstart <laughs> that made news last week. But it's. It's imminent return to uh, to wrestling, headlined by one Tessa Blanchard and everything that that entails. <clears throat> and AJ Lee, let's not forget AJ Lee, focus on the positives too, Warren. But they put out a casting notice this uh, over the past uh, seven days or so um, in regards to the show that they want to um, that they want to produce. Um, and uh, well, he, 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 here's a few things, a few things of interest. Like we've we've discovered, thanks to this, when they are going to start taping. They're going to start taping on uh, January fourth, uh, twenty twenty two. The auditions, as they're calling them, are going to be on uh, October fourteenth. So today. And uh, they're going to start callbacks in uh, at the start of uh, November. The uh, jotted down here as the executive producers of the show are Jeannie Buss, who is the owner, the owner of the LA Lakers as well, AJ Mendez as an executive producer, and our boy Dave McLean. And not only is he the executive producer, he is the sole producer, David McLean. And not only is he the executive producer and the producer, but he is also casting director, a talent, a a position that he shares with one Tessa Blanchard. That's right. Dave McLean, Tessa Blanchard listed as casting directors. Uh, We even figured out that they are going to be paying $350 to $5,250 per event. That's uh, $5,000 per event. And I'm assuming that's for like a full day of taping as opposed to per show. That would be my guess. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I've worked all of this out. Um, and here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the, uh, here, here's a, a little bit of the abstract that they have here. Um, Viacom CBS presents the new season of WOW! Women of Wrestling. We are seeking female heroines and the villains for 52 weeks of original programming. So that captured my attention because the last incarnations of, Va- of of WOW, excuse me, that we had were seasons, right? And they were like maybe 10, 12 episodes, something like that. And then they take a, like you know a year off and come back for another season. So now they're going they're going for the full calendar year of programming. I'm like, okay, that's ambitious. If you have a big personality, 
are athletic and are willing to be trained in high flying stage combat, the casting this casting is for you. Not be trained in professional wrestling. High flying stage combat. We are a body positive company seeking all nationalities and ethnicities. Prior experience in gymnastics, tumbling, dance, and sports, a big plus. Hang on a second. Gymnastics, tumbling, dance, and sports. Uh, and they're a plus, right? They're not requirements. They're, 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 they're a big plus. Now, unlike... So, you 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 wouldn't be you don't want wrestlers for your wrestling show is what you're telling me. You, uh. It is a plus to have a background in sports, fitness, stunts, gymnastics, tumbling, acrobatics, etc. Outgoing, over the top personalities that are coachable and easy to adapt in multiple situations. But no wrestling. So folks, here's what's amazing to me. When I'm reading this, is that WWE has cornered the sports entertainment aspect of pro wrestling. Whereas WOW Women of Wrestling is going to be, is going to corner the high-flying stage combat experience. It's, look, I like AJ Mendes. I am glad she is back involved in something that resembles professional wrestling. But when you're putting out casting calls, when you're looking for women to have training, not tra but a plus to be sporty and have, you know, to have prior experience in gymnastics and stunts. And sports, but never mentioning wrestling. I don't know. I'm not excited about this. I wasn't, look, I wasn't excited in the first place. Y'all heard my reaction to this last week. No big surprise. But uh, this not, my, the main things that I think, the main takeaway, the, the main takeaway that we have to take here. Hey, STS Pod! Thank you for subscribing. Here are the main takeaways. AJ Mendez is an executive producer of the show. Tessa Blanchard is clearly deeply involved in the creative process. So she's going to be a casting director. She's going to be picking out the women. And... Um, you don't need to be a wrestler to be on uh, Women of Wrestling. Wow, Women of Wrestling on Viacom CBS. <laughs> oh boy! You know, ultimately, if it's a good wrestling show they put on, that's all that matters. That's the weekly wrestling inspection.
I'm thirsty. What are you going to do? Turn, cut the stream? I'm done. I'm finished. <laughs> I'm done anyway. There's nothing else to talk about. It's been three weeks I want to talk about Joe Gacy. But he keeps getting bumped. There's more interesting stuff to talk about than Joe Gacy and that. Anyway, I'll, maybe next week I'll talk about Joe Gacy. Who knows? <laughs> and as we're wrapping up, I want to say hi to Plugo, who came in towards the end here. And Diego Rafael Solis Rivera. I want to thank you uh, for dropping in here at the very last minutes of the show. But I want to thank everyone, even if you... You, you're just plug it, popping in here at the last minute. That's fine. If you were here the whole way through, that's great. That's amazing. If you were here for part of it, that's great too. Consider giving the video a like, a thumbs up, subscribe like STS Pod Club did. Why to do that kind of stuff? It's fantastic uh, because, uh, you know, support is good. Support is great. But you guys have, and gals and everyone in between, you're so supportive. Of everything I do here, and I really, really appreciate it. I honestly do. You guys are absolutely fantastic. Week after week, people popping in here, listening on on demand as well. Uh, I, I seriously thank you. It's it never gets old. I never take you for granted. It's always humbling. I always like to think because that's how I am. I always like to think that y'all stick around because you really do enjoy what I do. And you know, you're not just here out of you know pity in any extent i hope you all have a great rest of your week i hope you have a fantastic weekend don't forget hey you know what if you're hanging around watching the suzuki uh, daniel bryan uh brian danielson match tomorrow excuse me uh pop on into the discord the mr warren hayes show discord is going to be alive tomorrow i am convinced links are in the description we would love to have you come hang out with us just like I enjoy you coming to hang out with me every Thursday night. Thank you, everyone, for joining me again. Have a good evening.